Nice, nice. So I just put on some moisturizer <laughs> and now I'm ready to pod. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, now that we're moisturized. Adventure Guys. Adventure Guys. Now it's time for Adventure Guys. All right. Welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. I'm Nick the Human. And yeah, I mean, moisturizer, that was something that I only got into really when I moved back to the city, 2021, which listeners will remember <laughs> a few, a few, um, I was like, I've never really done a f- face care routine. Like I wash my face sometimes, but it had gone <laughs> away. Well, I, well, I, I was like when I was, you know, when you get acne and then you get like, I got my first, uh, what was the brand that was on TV that they used to advertise all the time for face washing? I don't know. Do you remember that? Oh, and it came with a toner and a moisturizer. Proactive. Proactive. So I got that when I had, and then like once I didn't have much acne anymore, I like it kind of faded and I picked it back up. I got face wash, moisturizer, some stuff from like under my eyes. Now I have a, a exfoliator as well. It's, it's kind of expensive, but uh, I'll oh, say- it can get so expensive. It can get so expensive. I, I, I didn't go all the way. Like I tried to go, first I started cheaper and now I'm like- one step up but i will say um like a good the good face wash and then moisturizing morning and night my skin feels so good and it's weird how it actually makes me feel better sometimes yeah i'm i'm not consistent enough in my routine um i use like a l'oreal serum and moisturizer and it gets it gets more necessary if you if you're wearing makeup more frequently yeah you gotta do it um so there was some pod talk. We, we watched the episode. If I, I feel like we, it's been a long time since we uh, talked about how this works, but Eric <laughs> comes over to my apartment, AKA adventure guys headquarters where we've got, we've got up here is a figurine statue. Do you see that up there? How would you describe that? See the top uh, of my bookcase. That's Finn and Jake doing what they do best. Adventuring. Yeah. And it's like a figurine. It's kind of big. Um, I should like, Put that somewhere else when we pod like put it on my desk so we're like in the zone if we video casted this it'd have to be there yeah it would be like part of the set yeah oh and which we're gonna do one day i i swear i mean we've got multiple years of this so we will figure it out and then um <laughs> no rush that was a gift from paul kaminsky who was on an earlier episode which get business time um we should get him back on someday um and then also we have the 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 BMO Jeff Rosenstock collab from Cat Burnside, and uh, and we Eric comes over, we bullshit. Sometimes my roommate Lucas is upstairs. Maybe make a coffee, and then we watch the episode. I take notes and miss things and have to rewind. <laughs> take Eric, a work call in the middle of the episode. Oh yeah, that happened today. And then we come downstairs into my room and record the ep. Yeah, that's how it works. That's how the sausage is made. I know that everyone's been dying for this info, but so you're with us. That's what's happening. And today is Saturday, February 18th at 3.45 p.m. Eastern time. Yep. It's uh, literally the first thing I'm doing today. I love it. I slept, I slept till like one. 
That's really solid. I wanted to do that. I went to bed at one and I didn't set an alarm. I was like, this is going to be awesome. And then did the classic wake up at like 8.30 a.m. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't leave work until almost four in the morning last night. Oh. We had emo night. Dude, like the, Bowl. the biggest, maybe, maybe the only mosh pit I've seen at that venue was at fucking emo night. Really? People were actually, people were that drunk and revved up. Yeah. Uh, and the whole night people were moshing and I, was it, was the music any different than normal or was it just, the, yeah, the guys that were doing it were leaning more into like the under oath side of things. Ah. Um, so people were getting going. Yeah. Uh, they played a bunch of songs that I didn't know that were like maybe more like slightly after my time. Okay. Um, like metal core, you yeah. crossovers that happened in like, 2007 or 8 like after I had graduated high school and hadn't hadn't been paying attention to that stuff. Sure. Uh but yeah, there were a lot of breakdowns. <laughs> a lot of breakdowns. That's interesting cuz the few times I've gone to emo night at Brooklyn Bowl um who I know one of the DJs guns a little bit. Oh, you know um, him? Yeah. Yeah, he he plays more middle of the road yeah. mainstream kind of stuff. Right. And so like each time I've gone um it's like that. And like not not necessarily him, but then like I've seen other people do it and it's you know, the, the fallout boys and Mike Cam and Paramore. And then the last couple of times I've gone, they've been going even more pop. I think we've talked about, which is really just like rock music from your youth where they'll play system of a down and the killers and, and stuff. And you're like, okay, now this isn't even emo or punk anymore. Yeah. And so that's where I, and the Hoobastank or something like I thought it was going in that direction. So, cause I'm very surprised to hear that, that you, what you just said where they went, for breakdowns because i'm trying to think there was like a i remember i went and they played um I, forgive me if i'm talking about this on the podcast but they played some stuff that i thought would have been prime emo net material they played uh seven years by seosin last time i was there and oh, that they played that last night right and which is you know the anthony green song that was the song everyone heard and was like oh my god i love seosin i love anthony green and the time i was there they put it on and i was like oh fuck i haven't heard this song in like a decade this is amazing i love this song and they stopped it after a minute because <laughs> the crowd wasn't reacting and went to the next song yeah and i was like really it's funny how they do that <laughs> yeah i mean that's what a dj does it's fine but i was surprised because i was like i thought that to me if you're going to emo night you were so in it that like you want to relive the songs and i was very surprised because i was like that's like one of the you know what i mean yeah, they play a lot of Blink-182. They played What's My Age Again twice last night. Twice? Yeah. Uh, it's not even emo, too. I mean, I know that I'm, I'm being a fucking <laughs> dick. I know. They played a fucking block of <sighs> Linkin Park. See, that's like egregious. That's weird. They played They played like four Linkin Park songs did, in a row. Did it go over well? People were moshing to it. Yeah, okay. So, who am I? <laughs> uh, yeah. It... You know, I've done all these emo nights and they've never played like any of my favorite emo music. Mm -hmm. Never. I've never heard a single Saves the Day song at an emo night. See, exactly. Like, why why not just throw at your funeral? Yeah. Like that shouldn't. We're in fucking Williamsburg. You got plenty of Jersey kids that just that. That's why it's a weird song. It's a weird it's like almost like a weird crowd that goes now. I wonder. Right. I've I've never heard Jimmy Eat World clarity or earlier. <laughs> no, no. They've all they played the middle and they played uh Sweetness. Sweetness. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, they um you know the emo night karaoke night where they have the live band. 
uh, they played some like Thursday, which is uh-huh. weird because like nobody can sing Thursday. No, <laughs> it's pretty singular. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I've I've never heard Thursday at, at the DJ night. Um, Glassjaw, never heard Glassjaw. Mm-hmm. They played Taken Back Sunday. Yeah, there's never any like I went. There's never going to be any of the first gen. Like mineral promise oh, no, ring. Oh no, fuck that shit. Um, that, that'll never make it to an emo football. night. <laughs> yeah, Cap and Jazz. No, none of it's ever gonna be an emo night. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it's funny, but hey, I it's I, fun. I I you know I I went last time and had some drinks and was like, it's fun. I I saw something on Twitter recently about like how people are surprised that Glassjaw isn't benefiting from this resurgence in emo awareness at all Uh because like they they were pretty seminal like in the scene that i came up in but i guess maybe they weren't quite as universally recognized no i think you were in the belly of the beast yeah (laughs) on long island i they they were one of the they're like one of those bands because it was a little before me that i think they were sort of like the revered like oh like like the band's band or like the older kid would have a glass jaw hoodie kind of like you know what i mean like you go to I go to the, uh, you go see like Coheed and Cambria or whatever was hitting. And then there'd be a guy in the back who's like five years older than me with a glass jaw shirt. Yeah. On. That iconic glass jaw shirt. Yeah. I got to get one of those. You should. They're cool. And I was still cool. That's such right. a great shirt. Cause like those, cause you know, I'm sitting there 15 or whatever. And then it's like the 20 year old guy is like in the glass jaw shirt. You're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. That's what they always were to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I never saw them live. I did see Head Automatica live, mm-hmm. and Daryl Palumbo is a fucking force. Yeah, uh, that band was so great. Um, and Men, Women, and Children was a huge influence on me. Yeah, as well, I know. probably musically more so than Glassjaw and Head Automatica, but that was short lived. Also, yeah, it was a it was an interesting time where like all there was a lot of dance happening. The only thing that was that that dancey thing that really seemed to hit was like Panic at the Disco, but like. <laughs> It's right. interesting because like Head Automatica, Women, Men, Women, Children, um, and then the Blood Brothers guys, they had their stuff. Jaguar Love it was also like a dance thing and Past Lives. Like everyone was sort of being like feeling it. Okay. Like this is a thing. Oh, um, right. you know the who term the disco punk was being disco thrown punk. around. Well, the big band probably that influenced a lot of them was The Faint, who I didn't hear until years later, but they were a um, Saddle Creek band. So they were like from Omaha where like Bright Eyes was from and they were a little mm-hmm. older and they did a lot of the dance punk stuff. But uh yeah, is that it? interesting? Yeah, what what was that band? Um, Hot Hot Heat, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, I mean, the Killers had a little bit of it too. Sure. Um, and then there was another. There was another band. Action, action. Sounds it? familiar. Yeah, I know it's, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think right now we're primed for. Everyone's been talking about especially in, in my industry, like a dance revival. I mean, I'm going to a, a huge dance show tonight. I work with Fred again. It was marketing person in the States. Who's him. He's doing with four and Skrillex. He still at the garden in literal seconds. Um, so it's, it's back. Um, and, but it's interesting. yeah, I guess this is cool. This is, cause this is before EDM was hitting. So like, I feel like EDM was like the, the um, big pop culture breakthrough of dance music of the last kind of like, 20 right. years like i guess you know like there were pop songs that were dance songs like madonna and Cher, but and and there would always be some dance you know even like eiffel 65 blue there's like always like things that would come up that were like dance tracks and then like it it 
came over and there was a bunch of EDM, then it really fused with pop music. Right. Well, yeah, that was the thing. I, like this post screamo kind of like dovetail of, of these, these bands and styles around like 2005, 2006, like they're getting into this dance style and then EDM comes over and just like bulldozes through everything. It's like, if you have dance influence in your, yeah. in your music, it has to be electronic now. Yeah. And like where previously they were doing it with all this guitar kind of shit. Um, but like, no, like you need 808s. Yeah. I'm looking at Spotify to see what other dance uh, punk bands. Dude, this song by Head Automatica, I can't believe this wasn't like a hit. It's such a good song. I It was all over like Fuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, or uh, Much Music, right? Before it was Fuse. Yeah. I feel like... Um, Back then, like, there was still, like, I feel like now everyone is, like, down with liking everything and pop, but there was, like, a weird thing back then where it was, like, it, like, oh, they're doing, like, pop. Like, uh, no, I'm still, like, a, I'm a punk guy. Like, right. I and can't. coming from Glassjaw, too, it was so weird that, like, they split off into two different bands that were both playing the same kind of music oh. that was so far removed from what they came from. And Co- Cobra Starship. Oh, okay. That was a band I didn't really get into. Um, But after Midtown, Gabe supported this Cobra Starship. Yeah. Well, dude, what about the the Snakes on a Plane song? Yeah, exactly. That was a, a bit much for me. <laughs> I mean, Snakes on a Plane was maybe my favorite movie going experience of all time. <laughs> I know that was that was oh Metro Station. There was a, a lot of this. Oh my god, I've thought about like all the shit. Like then you're on Metro Station, and if you just keep going, you're gonna be sorry you did. Three oh three. I don't know. I don't want to think. I'm, I think I'm good. Uh, nothing against anybody. I'm just, I think I'm done here. Um, um, uh, Snakes on a Plane. That was awesome. I remember everyone was so excited. I mean, has that was like like an early viral, huge viral internet thing, yes. right? That was so viral marketing campaign. That movie came out in the summer of 2006. It was the sort of last hurrah of like my high school friend group um like after we had graduated and before everyone was going off to college yep. the like there were like i don't know maybe like 15 of us that all went to the theater to to see that um and then the very next day i drove down with my parents to start band camp at university of delaware wow <laughs> uh but the theater was fucking outrageous like i've never seen a movie before that wasn't like quiet like you're watching yeah a mo- like everyone was like yelling and screaming the whole fucking time like when the first scene that you see sam jackson his hand pops out from around the corner and grabs someone everyone fucking erupted like just stand up in their seats jumping up and down fucking screaming their lungs out you couldn't hear anything that was going on just because you saw sam jackson's hand <laughs> yeah that's amazing i love how cr- like clearly you remember it i remember when he says the iconic line oh people like people lost their shit yeah like a uh like a standing ovation yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was so fun i will say i i loved the movie series. i think at the time i was a little bit I hadn't seen any real B movies, so I I should have. If you had, like, if I had a little knowledge, I would have probably known what to expect. I hadn't seen what was the movie? What Strange Encounters? What was the movie? Oh, Strange Behaviors. Strange Behaviors. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen that yet. So, uh, did we do a whole episode on that? Movie? Yeah. Well, it was it was half an episode because we that was our 100th episode special. 
It was three hours, 11 minutes long. Oh my God. Um, so when I saw snakes on a plane, I didn't know. It. I kind of thought like the last 15 minutes when the snakes are now loose on the plane, <laughs> I kind of thought the whole movie was going to be that a little more of that instead of just like 30 minutes of it. So I, the- <laughs> yeah, they really like, pull that taffy and like make a plot out of it where there didn't need to be. No, <laughs> I mean, that's part of the magic. It is, but, but it is part of magic, but that's why I really respect the fast and furious franchise as they've gone on is that <laughs> it's just like, they like those people like heard like, or tapped into that mindset of like the seven, what is this 18 year old kid who's coming to this one? I see like, they don't give like, yeah, we've got to have a little bit of a love story and this is that, but like gotta get some cars fucking exploding. <laughs> You know, like, yeah. qu- and quick. The, uh, so, what was the recent one, or the last one, Nine? Yeah. Um, that might be the only one I haven't seen. I, no, I, th- I think you saw that, right? I just, they, I have to remember which one's Nine. Didn't we, so, I just. F9. I, I probably need to rewatch it because I was very high. Um, I was, I had a bunch of edibles that I dosed incorrectly <laughs> this was over the pandemic and um i just i don't really remember too much about the movie except the scene where charlie Theron was talking about yoda with a hand up his ass or something <laughs> oh my god i forgot she was in- so she's the bad guy right yeah okay i saw this but i just this one i don't remember as well <laughs> i think i saw this. Yeah. all right um yeah she's like you know something about yoda is like he's a puppet with someone's hand up his ass <laughs> what? yeah weird okay um no well this is a good discussion <clears throat> sure <laughs> would you like to talk more now about adventure time uh i i guess the the cat box princess thing yeah, the box box prints. Uh, sure. Episode discussion. All right, this was season five, episode thirty-seven. Box prints. Box prints. Now it's not. It's you know what you might think when you hear this is that Finn and Jake took a box and then made um, a tribute to Prince, the the purple one out of it. You, you might think that <laughs> I did, but then it wasn't that. I mean, <laughs> you might think that it's that what was going to happen was is that a prince was going to do some boxing against maybe lumpy space princess yeah it, nope. it is a little bit weird that this is a prince episode and not a princess episode because so much of the show revolves around the princesses yeah uh, i mean let's cut to the chase this is um a throwaway episode <laughs> kinda i really liked it though you but, did but it's it's so disconnected from anything else and it's so it feels like a very small moment um that's enjoyable nonetheless but it's it's a very small moment i i well it's yeah it's not a throwaway because since everything is so connected it feels like a nice resting like respite from like canon it's like a hangout episode which i was thinking about which feels kind of nice yeah i so i would encapsulate this whole 
episode as like, what do Finn and Jake do when they're bored? Yes. And how do they deal with it in their own way? And you see Jake just kind of doing Jake shit, um, kind of focusing on some mundane detail about a tortilla chip getting stuck in his teeth. And then you see Finn with his, you know, young boy energy. What I'm assuming is like sort of making a fantasy like out of what these, was going on. Yeah, with these cats and just yeah, like like it's, following his imagination into some adventure that isn't even real. Yeah, it's kind of the reveal at the end. You're like, ah, I see what was happening. Yeah, I mean, there are hints that like something is not quite grounded in reality. Yeah. Um, but I, I think But it's hard to tell given right, yeah, the universe. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean it's a small episode. Um, but what I like about the show is that it works you can do small episodes like that and yeah. still make them feel like you're spending quality time with the characters. Mm-hmm. It did feel quality time. Like it was really fun to watch BMO and Jake just be together <laughs> and like brush their teeth together. And I thought it was really fun in the beginning, which was just, I don't know. I think I'm so burned out. Like I've been working so hard. Like I haven't felt boredom or the lack of responsibility or something to do in such a long time. And it was just like almost nice to see like Finn looking out the window, just being like, uh, I don't know. Like it, it, it was like almost comforting. I was like, Oh, I, I want to live in a world where this is what's happening right now, where you're just hanging out, eating nachos and have nothing better to do than just play video games. <laughs> yeah. So nice. Oh, must be nice. Must be nice. Best part of a, uh, of a being adventurer. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I going through it a little bit, there's like some highlights, like one being that Jake is playing BMO and he's really fat in like a beanbag chair. Yeah. Jake doesn't have to be fat, but that's what I was going to get at. Like, I don't know if we've ever seen this, but it's almost like he's like choosing to embody the, the fat lazy man for a second. Cause that's what he wants to do. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> And then it was making me think, like, how does food and weight factor into this? Like, so Jake could be really skinny. He could probably be really jacked if he wanted to. He could also eat an entire turkey dinner and, like, expand his stomach and then, like, make it disappear. You know what I mean? Like, it was really interesting to think about how food could interact with his size. This is this is such a fun mechanic of the show. It's because there are so many points where you're just like, what are the rules of this? Why does, how does this work? Like, what are the guidelines? But then they always find something creative to do with it. That makes you feel like, Oh, it doesn't matter. Like they're, they're always posing the question like, wait, is that allowed? And then they're always providing an answer with like, it doesn't fucking matter because this is creative and funny. Yeah. And I love that they keep running up against that over and over again. It still feels fresh. You're, you're constantly questioning, like, how are the physics of this, mm-hmm. like, informing this character in this world? And you always get the same answer, but, like, it never feels, like, uh, tedious. No. Like, oh, God, how is, how is he using the stretching powers? It's just, like, Deus Ex Machina, all this, all the time. Like, you never get frustrated by it. Yeah. I love, I love it. And in this episode, they actually have BMO explore it where <laughs> yeah. Jake, and this is cool because this is in Jake's kind of philosophy where he said that like, here, I wrote this down, um, to live life, you need problems. He says that to BMO, which cause BMO, he's like, couldn't you just stretch and get the chip out of your teeth? And he's like, no, 
to, to live life is to have problems. If you had no problems life and you got everything you wanted right when it came, life wouldn't be worth living. This is going into some of his like Zen Buddhist like <laughs> yeah. uh, acceptance of, of the world. And it's weird for, for BMO. And when he says that BMO then starts daydreaming. <laughs> right. And about and Jake, about Jake and about Jake's stretchy powers. And what is he like? What does he dream about? It's, it's absurd ways that Jake solves his problems by stretching. Yeah. Like he can't reach a glass of water and instead of stretching his arm out to grab it, he stretches his gut out to bounce the table up and catch the glass of water, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Or like to climb a staircase, uh, not by like stretching out his legs and, and taking it all in one step, but to sit down and stretch his tail around a tree at the top of the staircase and then pull him self up with his butt scooting along the stairs it's the most roundabout way to solve every problem with his stretchy powers but it's funny that's yeah. it's always funny and creative and it they they find a new way to do that in almost every single episode it's awesome um i, I really love that i also loved bemo sort of having to to reconcile with this where he wants jakes to get the tortilla out of his mouth but he's also or, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a funny dynamic. It's inconsequential, but right. it's like couldn't you stretch your teeth apart to, and yeah. like to to so, so the the chip falls out of your gums or whatever. Like no, he eventually says, "I want it. it'll just." And then at the end, he's like, "Did you get it?" I was like, "No," but I'll just keep it there as a constant reminder as to what life really is. <laughs> okay, that's weird. Unsatisfying, as uh, Bimo says. And I think that's where they leave that whole yeah. arc. Yeah, and then. uh you know, Finn's bored, and instead of just doing this, he's now out, and he finds a cat in a box, and then follows it into the woods, and finds a cat civilization where they all live in boxes, and there's a there's a prince, but the cat he found was supposed to right be the right prince, but was dethroned, and right, it's like a political thriller, yeah, in Finn's mind, in Finn's mind, and they're all just like cute cats in boxes, <laughs> and uh, I mean, you can almost talk about everything that happens, but really, it's like. I can't even really remember. It's just at the end, they kind of like there. It does look like a kingdom the way they're illustrating it. And given Adventure Time, it could be. And then by the end of it, it's just like, oh, it's a pile of dirty boxes with a bunch of cats there. <laughs> yeah, and it it seems like there may be some sort of perceptual dissonance somewhere because throughout the episode, there are faces drawn on the boxes yep. and they just change their expressions willy nilly. Oh, and. So I, I, I'm like, I see this like, wait, how did that happen? Like, is this like, is, is something else like behind this or is Finn just imagining this? Yeah. They're doing just like regular cat things the whole episode. Like he can't like make his imagination like extend that far where he like really anthropomorphizes these cats like they still just like take a shit in a litter box basically like yeah. and he and so he's like sort of trying to maneuver his his imagination around the regular ass cat things that they're doing yeah which is funny i love that um <laughs> it's yeah yeah i know and the cats are very cute the way they're illustrated and they interact are very yeah. cute so i understand how he got captivated by <laughs> by the cat um and is it end all the cats just go on top of Finn, right? Yeah. It's like a cute attack. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some other, here's some other um, things I saw. Uh, the game that Jake is playing is like 
two Abraham Lincolns shooting weird guns at each other. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. Um, I liked the weather. I like the weather. Like when he looks out the window and it's like a cloudy uh, day that's really windy and it looks like it might have rained a little bit ago. I really love that. Like that's like a very special kind of Saturday or Sunday to me that like I remember very well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I really like them like choosing that. And then you don't see it a lot in Adventure Time. Yeah. He says like the storm is finally passed. Uh, you see like the remnants of like some wind blown debris. Uh-huh. I thought it was very funny. There was a tire blowing across the the front yard, but it's not rolling like oh, a it's tire would. It's, it's like, like a tumbleweed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tired tumbleweed. It's like all like like roll like rolling at the wrong angle, like over yeah. itself, and <laughs> so good. Um, I love that. Um, I love the cat read in the box reading a book. That was very fun. <laughs> oh, and then the there was the random shot of CGI in the forest. yeah. Well, that happens. It happens in later seasons more uh, where. I, I don't know what the reasoning for that is, but like they just switched to like computer assisted animation for certain scenes. And it's usually what I've noticed anyway, in a shot where the character is moving like deeper into the perspective and mm-hmm. you're following the character as they move like forward rather than left to right or something like that. It's just harder to, to animate. Cause you, at that point you're not animating a character on a background. You're animating the entire frame yeah um which is time consuming yeah that makes sense there was um so i'm watching the owl house now okay i'm 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 doing a rewatch because they're about to wrap up the show i think it might might have just aired the finale uh it's not on disney plus yet though um the third season has like three hour long episodes i think that the last one is about to air or just aired and so I haven't seen. Oh yeah. Oh, it's not. Wait, uh, did it come out yet? Not right here. So I haven't seen any of these season three episodes yet. Yeah. Um. So in anticipation of that, I am rewatching the whole first and second series. <clears throat> it's good. It is not awesome, but it's enjoyable enough. Um. I just. There's so many like structural issues that I, I I keep noticing and taking issue with, and I think it's just because like I've grown so accustomed to analyzing like a really amazing show like Adventure Time, um, and watching Steven Universe critically and stuff. And The Owl House, there there are a lot of weird things that that it does that I'm just like, well, the correct way to have done this would have been, you know, like laying this out a little bit differently i don't know like i'm I'm very critical of it but when they drop into a different animation sequence it's so fucking obvious yeah it's like the one of the the penultimate episodes of the first season there's like this dance number where Uh they're like okay we got a little bit of a budget now so like the animation style clearly changes like it seems like it's computer assisted in some some aspects and then they just like had like a bigger team for other aspects it's like you get like this minute long sequence of like really involved shit and it's like 
okay, well now it's just like glaringly obvious that this wasn't happening for the last like 20 episodes of this season. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's weird when they do it in adventure time like this. Um, they just switch the animation style. I don't, I don't know if people, did you notice it? Like not really, but I was also looking at my phone or something. I was like, <laughs> I think no, I did. I was writing my notes. Yeah. I, I think in, in a show like the owl house awake, when they switch over, it's like, it's distractingly noticeable. Okay, yeah. No, eventually they don't do it often in a way that's like distracting. Yeah. There are a few sequences. I think we've talked about this in like the season five finale of Steven universe that have guest animators. Um, and it's like, you notice it, it's a little yeah. bit elevated, but it's not distracting in a way. It's just like, wow, this looks fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, cause it's also tied to like a very emotional moment. Uh huh. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, I, I've never, I've never seen them talk about like what, like using computer assisted stuff. And I think, it, I think what you were saying too, were, yeah, it, it seems like a practicality more than like a creative choice. Yeah, there, and there, there are whole, maybe there are entire shows that are animated with computer programs, and I, I've seen some discussion about that where they say like, it doesn't necessarily take less time to use computer programs to animate stuff. So it's, it's, it really comes down to like a choice uh-huh. and I don't know what the criteria are for informing that choice. Um, there's a, there's a software, I forget what it's called. That show final space that I didn't like is entirely in the software. Uh, um, interesting. And it looks really weird. Um, yeah. And I, I heard them talk about using that software, but like, I don't know why they did it or I, maybe, the, maybe like it takes the same amount of time, but like requires, less manpower i don't know yeah it's cheaper that would suck if that's the only option totally but luckily yeah. we don't have that with adventure time they like they really did it yeah well yeah i don't know about this one sequence yeah. Yeah, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah interesting. uh in these beautiful sequences though i didn't really find the snail did you <laughs> No, I did not see the snail. Oh well. No. Are you gonna ask me? You just said you didn't see it. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, cool. Uh if you're listening, thanks for listening. Give us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening on, please. And Tell a friend about us. And if you want to donate, you can go to anchor.fm slash adventure guys podcast. There's a lot of, you know, can help us with the costs. So yeah, Eric here is editing these things for hours for free too. We're, we're not even taking money and off your donations. We're going to put it right back into the pod. Maybe do a video thing one day. If you want to, if you like us, do that. Also tell us, did you see the mail gmail.com? Would, would you like that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is the plug section. And I thank you for listening. Yeah. We're trying to hire a social media manager. I would be to f- open to f- follow us around and post TikToks of us. I'd also really like someone to just help us set up the video thing um, <laughs> because I had, don't have it in my heart to do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been t- I've been talking about it for a long time. I'd love to get someone to edit it. I- I'd pay you, but I, I I don't know. I'm not putting forth the effort right now. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Miscellaneous Mania. <laughs> okay, I'm getting tired.
All right. I, I'm okay. Well, actually, hold up, hold up, Nick. I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I got to see who wrote and storyboarded and all that. Storyboarded by Sanvale Ziafini and CO Kim. There you go. Thank you for jumping in. Uh, I immediately was like, does Box Prince, is this a one off character or does it come back? Comes back in the episode, I am a sword. Now, that Actually, a- that uh, was in my mind. I was like, oh, wait, is the Finn sword in this episode? Oh, okay. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I don't, I couldn't remember why I thought that. But yeah, I guess in the Box Prince's subsequent appearance, there is a plot line with the Finn sword. Well, there you have it, of box people. <laughs> it redirects you to cats. <laughs> There's a picture of cake. <laughs> oh my god! Right, yeah. That's a. I found. Finally, found a hole. I mean, this wiki is pretty great, by the way. Um, okay, what else is here? Um, this is Olivia Olson's favorite episode. Wow. How about that? Oh, wow. And Olivia Olsen does a lot more. I, obviously, Marceline, but then I was like, what else? Um, bunch of other stuff. Voices. I guess that's just how it goes. What 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 else is she in? Oh, no. She just did like, she does a lot of other small characters. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Tom Kenny met Olivia when she was a baby because he was a comedy act uh, her, at Martin Olsen's club. And Martin Olsen is her real dad, right? Yeah. And what was Martin Olsen's deal? Just a guy. Oh, she was adopted. Comedy guy. Oh, he's a comedy guy. Boston comedy. All right, let's keep going. Dude, I need some food. Holy shit. I'm so fucking tired right now. Oh, my God. Can we get some food after this? Yeah, sure. Uh, I guess this is sort of loosely concept, uh, loosely connected to the concept of Schrodinger's cat is what they're saying on here. Uh, it's like you can't really prove which one is the real prince. But I, I'm not sure if I agree with this reasoning. Yeah. Because like once you observe the real prince, you should know what, what <laughs> you should know. Like that should be the end of the experiment. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there's only so many references to a cat in a box. I lo- yeah, I know. This is the, I feel like they do that a lot here in the cultural references section where there's a bunch of reaches. Although, oh yeah, I I did pick up on this, but I didn't I couldn't place where it was from. Where Jake says, uh, "I'm pretty dang far from okay." That's uh from Pulp Fiction. When does that happen in Pulp Fiction? Uh that's like uh the Oh, here is and, that where he gets rescued from the the Gimp's dungeon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Bruce Willis. Uh, Bruce Willis is the guy. Wait, so he he isn't he in the dungeon? Bruce Willis. He goes and kills the Gimp and the other guy and saves the boxing promoter. Is that is that holy I, shit, dude? You remember it's so, so much better than I do. Well, look here, he's. Oh my god! This actually kind of makes me want to watch this movie again. Marcellus Wallace is the character. I think I saw this movie once, like when I was like sixteen. 
Wow. It's a, it's definitely a Quentin Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. I like Quentin Tarantino movies. Yeah, they are fun to watch. Yeah. There's like, my dad offered a criticism of Quentin Tarantino movies early on and I haven't been able to shake it because it's like partially correct. I like as, to hear as, it. As much as I hate to agree with my dad. But he's, he said that they value style over substance. Uh-huh. And that is true to an extent. But the problem is, is that his movies are so fucking stylish that they're, that that's kind of enough to subs- like to sustain them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I, I hear what he's saying, but I, yeah, cause that's what I actually thought was that this, what makes him cool probably is that the style is inextricably linked from the substance, right? Right. Like, like it's about the style. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this is what I was going to say that the substance, like, so like this whole like gimp scene in, in this basement with Bruce Willis, like that's so fucking Quentin Tarantino, right? It's like this weird sexual thing with like, he's reviving this. He's got this old star you haven't seen in a while in the movie and it's violent, but it's kind of funny. Like that's all aesthetics essentially. Right. But it's all connected to what's happening. And like, so he, he's thinking about like, what would be a novel, cool thing to do in his voice. And then to me that what he, what, but those ideas are kind of substantial in their execution and in their levity. So then they're kind of working together in a great way. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, I I know what he's saying though, but I guess to me, I don't know. I really like a. It, that's a kind of starts putting my head in a little bit of a, a bit of a pretzel when thinking about <laughs> yeah. style versus substance, thinking them being so separate. Because I think, I think I really like style in a movie, and I think everyone does. Yes, it's and un- I, an underrated element. Yeah, and I think that some people like when a style is really identifiable then people start to come after it because they think it's all about the style but i feel like any act any movie um most movies or directors these that people go for that think that's all about style i feel like at the end of the day that there's always some cool substance execution in there like there are i can think of i can actually think of examples of where the style um probably doesn't bring it all the way home and there's like holes and it's it's just it just looks cool and yeah. that's it. Like that definitely happens, but like I'm I'm thinking of Edgar Wright's last movie. Last Night in Soho? Yeah. Did you like that one? Um Edgar Wright has great style. He does. I felt like that last that last one was didn't quite deliver on uh, on its substantial. I heft. like I remember liking it, but I can't really remember it. So that probably as much as some of the other ones. So I can I can say that. I was if thinking Edgar Wright is, is a director that I think of style at, yeah. at, like as much as I do like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. I was thinking about like you could say about like like Garden State or something, where that's like a very stylized, like uh deliberate aesthetic choices. And I don't know, a lot of people hated the substance of that movie. <laughs> um but I guess they're kinda linked the the style is representative of the story. Um, I guess you know mumblecore was a thing. Do you ever see watching those? I like yeah. the I like the um, Duplass brothers and the puffy chair because I actually thought they had amazing substance. But I do get how like some of those movies I've seen people are like, okay, it's mopey and low budget and black and white doesn't mean it's good. You know, <laughs> like it can happen. 
Um, but I like Quentin. I think also Quentin Tarantino, like, I think he himself is a polarizing figure. And it's just like you're always going to have a kickback. Like, I saw on TikTok the other day, he he himself hosted Saturday Night Live in the 90s some point. And I was like, damn, he he was like a rock star, like himself. Yeah. Um, which doesn't happen. Like, what other director has ever hosted SNL, you know? Um, so that is interesting but yeah but like i feel like on the internet there's a lot of people who don't like it i think it's also just like i've talked about this with the cohen brothers or i talked about the big lebowski where i think like pulp fiction is the quintessential dorm room movie poster <laughs> yeah and when you get that ubiquitous with a certain demo and it's that you i feel like people just in, kind of feel like they have they're supposed to outgrow it or something i don't know same thing that's what i felt about the big lebowski Right. They feel like they're supposed to outgrow it. I think this goes back to what I mentioned about Chris Gethard talking uh-huh. about Ska. Remember that? Oh, yeah. So yeah, we're on text talking about it, but yeah. you should bring it up on here because it's good. Uh, oh, oh, here's something I can plug. Uh, by the time this episode gets out, uh, I will have my interview on the podcast In Defense of Ska published. Love um, that's a really cool podcast. And you don't have to be a ska fan to listen to that because it's, I mean, it's just good interviews with uh, lots of interesting folks. And yeah, so I, I did an episode with them a couple weeks ago. We recorded it. It should be up this week. Uh, you can listen to that. It'll be fun. They did a really great episode with Chris Gethard no. uh, a few months back. And we're both Gethard fans. Love him. And he said something so insightful that like really made made me think a lot about liking certain things and um because he he talked about being a fan of less than jake and scott when he was a kid yeah he saw them in like someone's backyard yeah like on their first tour right like, like playing like, before pezcore came out or something yeah like if it, if there is any any like discussion we had about liking something before it was cool chris gethard wins that with less than jake like, uh, yeah for sure uh but even even having that kind of pedigree in the, in the Lesson Jake fandom sort of grew to, to think it like, it wasn't cool to like Scott anymore. Right. Um, and a lot of people felt that way about the genre, uh, which sucks. And, but a lot of people now are coming back around to it. And he related that to when people that were fans of his public access show for such a long time started becoming very critical of his show like after he had been doing it for years uh, and these were people that were fans from the very beginning and yeah he mentioned there's there's just a tendency of of people wanting to rebel against the things that they liked when they were young because how how could i because they, they want to rebel against everything else about their younger selves like they they don't like the stupid things they did or the dumb decisions they made uh, so they just have to discount everything about their younger selves, including the music or shows that they liked. Sure. Um, so there's a there's a period like in everyone's lives where they just like they feel like that shit wasn't cool, and they and they can't believe they used to like that. Yeah. But I think now, especially with ubiquity of of things on the internet and the general uh, sort of attitude of Gen Z, like not really caring about yeah. where things come from. Uh, everyone's sort of coming back around to things that they thought were cool when they were kids. Yeah. Without that baggage anymore. Yeah. It's, it's cool. And a lot of millennials are doing it too. Like yeah. the cycle has, has come back around and he did say like people will come back. Then he say like less than Jake, like it felt like people will come back around. Like he kind of came back around less than Jake. It's like, yeah, I love these songs. He was kind of like, I don't 
I'm not putting on Pezcore, but like if those songs come on randomly he's on a run, he's like, I will sing every word to my own flag or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that made me happy. I was like, I love that. Um, yeah. Really cool point. Go get. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so this stuff, it feels like, it feels like maybe we're past the, the having to hate Tarantino phase because it yeah. was a college thing, college thing and a masculine thing, all this shit. Um, can we, um, can we go down the rabbit hole? <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole. See, look, you, even you typed in box princess. What is it? Oh, it's box bo- prince. Fuck. I, even, even, I think that's even an indicator oh, of how. I'm logged, <laughs> I'm logged into an artist's. Uh... <laughs> I'm gonna fuck up their algo. Uh, yeah, so I think even that's linked to the imaginary world that we're in, where yeah. we're not quite sure what's reality because we're talking about a prince when we expect it to be a princess. Okay, a few things. Yes, yes. Okay, now it's coming up. Number one, curated box ad. I don't even you don't even see banner ads when you search on YouTube, right? Like that's interesting. First up, Adventure Time. This hasn't happened yet. Where the first thing that we search box prints is Adventure Time. Is that just the full episode? No, it's a clip. Five minutes and thirteen seconds. That's all. Wait, that's all. All. Yeah. So I've done this because I rip clips and put them on <laughs> on social media for engagement, um, and it works. And uh, they have like some of these. Like they have will have like two clips up, and they're each five minutes. And it's essentially the whole episode. Yes, yeah, five minutes. That's have, the official Adventure Time account. Yeah, and I'll just have like five minutes of an episode. Then there's a band. There's always a fucking band. Let's hear. There's always a fucking band. Let's hear what they sound like. Bo- this is Box Prince with the video for Wreckage, an official video, might I add. Um, it's they only have important, se- important to note that it's official, even though they they have seventy six followers. <laughs> yeah. It's like how your fucking Twitter handle is official Nick Hardy. Oh, yeah. That was a joke. <laughs> I, I, I never updated. You like that? Yeah. yeah. intro is too long i was exactly what i was thinking i was like can we just get to the song <laughs> but it's kind of cool the bass tone was good but that was 49 seconds <laughs> of chord progression yeah five minute song sorry bud 49 seconds no vocals i'm not i'm not in this is too this is too that song i don't know if that i mean i gotta hear what's going on in the bridge but it seems wild for this song to be five minutes. Right? If we're not going on a journey. Um, not awful, but I think we can keep moving. Um <laughs> dude, <it's, laughs> what? That's why, dude, that's why I keep coming back. Um oh, well, can we talk about song length for a second? Yeah. I'm we can do that. <laughs> okay, so this isn't this is a this is a very interesting thing. I feel like I've un- uncovered um, 
within the last couple months is that for me, song length is not a big deal. Like I think a song is just should be as long as it needs to be. And sometimes those songs are nine minutes and I, or I have the yes album back there. 20 minutes. Like I'm in close to the edge, three songs fucking go. I love that. But also maybe it's a one minute interlude or 90 seconds. That's cool by me too. Like I'm like, whatever it needs to be, it should be. Um, and I've, I've realized that there's definitely, we know there's a stigma against longer songs, right? Like if you, have you felt that in your life? Yeah. People are like, Oh, I'm not listening to a song that long. Or, yeah. Oh. I mean, when I was like 16 and into prog metal and yeah. listening to Opeth albums, there you go. I was like, yo, I want to write an 18 minute song. And I showed it to the guys in my band and they were like, fuck this. <laughs> Dude, the first song I wrote with Sean, uh, was eight minutes and then the next song was 10 minutes like that's what it was at the time too yeah he was in the sean was in the dream theater i loved and we all loved uh mars volta i was in the coheat like um i'm trying to think there was some yeah opeth was good um <laughs> yeah so anyway stigma against long songs and people don't don't like long songs or if they do it's a big deal but i didn't know there was a stigma against short songs this is something I didn't know and has now come up for me twice on two of my favorite bands in the world and really surprised me. Um, do, now, before I go into the examples and start talking about, do you, what do you think about short songs? I like them. Um, I was thinking about this recently, actually, because I just had been playing through a bunch of Caro Caro Bonito. Yeah. Uh, and their first couple albums have, in particular, like a lot of like minute long, minute and a half long songs. Oh really? Okay. Let me. I. It's been a while. It's been a second since I've like listened to Caro Caro. So. Uh. Well. Yeah. So like the stuff before it got like indie rock. Yeah. Like uh, wasn't it elect more electronic at first? Yeah. Which Which one is your Which one is? Um. It? Like the first. I think the first record is really good. It's like it's it's got like this weird this kind of unique energy to yeah. it. Yeah. This is the one I had checked out. Yeah. The first song. Oh, it's intro. Cat vs. Dog, English version, 58 seconds. Like, this excites me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, this should be on Cat Prince. <laughs> yeah. These are all like video game samples. <laughs> so good. I love it. <laughs> Me too. Wow. I'm going to listen to this album a lot. Um, so yeah, so that's what I thought. Um, and it's okay. So I'm into it now. It's happened twice. So, um, one, which is more interesting is I work with Portugal man, which you've talked about, and we just released, um, a trailer for their new album and it's, um, a song off the record. That's like a minute and 13 seconds and it's fucking awesome. And if you know, if you know about the band and you've like, if you're a fan, like they'll do things that come back later in the record or there's intros or whatever. And we didn't even really like make a big deal of it. It was just sort of like, Hey, next week we're going to drop this video. 
and it came out and it's like very to me it's very clear. Did you see it? On no, the I haven't. Let's watch it. Um and it was a minute and stuff and I think a lot of people liked it. I think it's awesome and I mean I I may I'll just show it to you and get your reaction before I talk about it anymore. Portugal the Man Heavy Games 2 featuring Jeff Basker. Damn, that piano's EQ'd so sweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was the video. What did you think? It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you say it. <clears throat> I thought it was awesome too. I thought this is the first, that's like the first thing from the new album cycle. And uh, what I thought was interesting and like, so dude, the comments are really great. What was interesting though is there was a bunch of people being like 80 seconds? <laughs> Question mark. Where's the full song? Where's this? That? I'm like, this is not, is this not so clearly that it's a short song that's like an introduction to something? Um, Sean said he was like, dude, you gave people an appetizer and they wanted a whole meal. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's what you do in 2023 to like <laughs> build hype. It was funny. I, I didn't realize a lot of people were so like, I don't know, like, like that it was a shorter song, like mattered to them. Cause I was like, and it's not many people. It's just a couple people on the internet. And that was very interesting to me. And it reminded me of obviously my, one of my favorite bands, Joyce Manor have famously have all these short songs. Joyce Manor. Can't talk about short songs without Joyce Manor. Yeah, they're like one of my favorite bands on the planet. I guess um, Guided by Voices has some short songs. But like this song, to me, it's like it's um, we did it. And I went to see him with uh, with Lucas and he didn't know about it. And then they would play the song and it'd be over and he'd be like, what? <laughs> and and um, this song is one of their best songs. Uh, no, here we go. One minute. Yeah. I love this song. And then So we got the intro verse. Yeah. The whole song's two chords. <laughs> but I was gonna go through the form of this song, but there's not really a form. It just happens, and then the outro. Now, 
All right. Now I'm not convinced if you put that song, this song is, is way more interesting to me. Did you ever know where it's like verse, um, like verse redux with a new har- reharmed chorus outro done. That's a interesting. The other one was kind of just a linear song of just like one part. This one has multiple parts that just all and a bunch of their songs have. I'm not convinced that you and and then people are like frustrated by it or are turned off by the fact that it's short. I'm not. It's interesting to me that that would be a barrier because I'm just like, is it good or not? Does it slam or not? And I'm like, it does. <laughs> so like, let's go. And if it's slow, you just listen to it. Tw- if it's not long enough, you just listen to it twice in a row. <laughs> I do that all the time with them. And they get paid twice. And they get paid twice. I'm um I but like. I'm not convinced. Now you tell me what you think. If you took that one minute song and you just like added another part and then that minute, say like you did the front part, you added another thing and then the part happened again and it was like a two and a half minute song or three. I don't know. Like, would it be better? Like that's, that's like what I don't really get. Oh man, dude. Yeah. Fucking do you, uh, I don't know. answer that question. <laughs> I'm looking at guided by voices right now. Um, who also the other the other short song band I like is Locusts. Oh yeah, <laughs> let's go there. I'm not like a huge Guided by Voices fan, but some of these songs just really do it for me. I remember Jesse Moynihan writing a blog post about how much he liked this band. Guided by Voices? Yeah. Dude, well, it's just these little, perfect little pop gems. This is a Jesse Moynihan band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's a good oh yeah, tractor rape chain. Oh, this is three minutes though. This is breaking the rules. Uh okay, what locust song? Well, locust Now they're not power violence or grindcore, right? But they're like adjacent. They're more of just a weird hardcore band, would you say? Um I mean I I would say grind is appropriate. Okay. But I'm not a connoisseur. Yes. <laughs> Those drum sounds. <laughs> so sick <laughs> I was listening to a lot of daughters oh. towards the end of high school yeah. and then someone's like yo this is the fucking locust <laughs> this is great was early daughters was really short right <clears throat> Canada songs oh yeah, yeah dude dude there's not a song over a minute and a half on this record. Yes. Oh, it's fine. I love this album. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sick. <clears throat> is this does it go to a dirt dirt Yeah. <laughs> Mm. 
Oh my god, dude! It like makes my heart feel yes. crazy. Yes. So in the in the uh, like emo to hardcore pipeline, yeah. like that was indicative of our high school experience. Like I think a lot of people went to the you know like the more metalcore like breakdowny kind of yeah. thing that happens at emo night now. I was going in this direction. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, they definitely didn't record that to a click, right? No fucking way. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's they're locked though. <laughs> yeah. It's cool, but I like because listening to like when it, it was like almost like a slight tempo shift, but it felt good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, dude! What a cool band. I mean, it's cool to them is that they put out this record in 2018. That's their biggest record, and they're playing the biggest venues of their career because it got all this hype on the internet. Right, like um, their comeback. Yeah, which is cool. Good for them. Um, yeah. Anyway, short songs. So, pro short songs. I think there's more of a place for them in the streaming era. Uh-huh. Uh You don't feel cheated. No. Well, I I feel like we we've sort of. I don't know exactly the extent to which like Spotify algorithms has influenced art, uh-huh. which is really shitty to think about, but. It is something that we have to consider. Like, I think we're just like in a different place as listeners now, where it's easier to wrap our heads around shorter songs. Um, and and like, and this is saying like we're used to like two and a half to three minute songs, and now we we can figure out one minute songs easier. I don't know. It's it's weird. Like, I I also feel like it's it's easier for me to burn out on like a lot of little short songs, like in quick suce- succession. Yeah. Um, like I, I don't listen to a lot of Joyce Manor. <laughs> okay. I, I feel like it's just like, it's a little bit too much too quickly sometimes where it's uh-huh. just like bang, 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 bang. Like, yeah, but like the ideas, like they're not really developed ever. Mm-hmm. And like, it's cool if it's like part of your palette where it's like, let's just slam you with like this really potent thing. Yeah. But then if you never take it a step further, I begin to think like, well, if you wanted to, could you, or mm-hmm. are you just unable? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh man, like it'd be nice if like, maybe like occasionally we took this and made it a, yeah. a more developed song. Like, <laughs> but what would be, de- what would be developed about it? Like you like mean like if the melody happened a couple more times, if, or like, I mean, or like came back so you could like live with it longer. Like in classical terms, right? Beethoven is sort of considered mm-hmm. like like the king of like motivic efficiency, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like there is very little material in Beethoven's music, right? Like the fucking famous da 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 is like that's one thing, and then he has like an entire fucking movement of a symphony based on that four yeah. note motive, and like there's very little original idea in that and he's just the master of like spinning out like something that's not very extensive into like this whole big fucking thing Mm -hmm. and it's there's so much opportunity for that in joyce manor's material Mm -hmm. and they never take advantage of it no they do they have a couple four they have a four minute song yeah four minute song i guess to me i guess well i guess the counter would be on beethoven all anyone really remembers is da 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 and like what if it was just like i don't know whatever that minute piece of music like if you just that could just be the song right well i mean that's the extreme example of it like like that like if you want to talk about motivic efficiency it's like just creating something out of very little uh 
like there's so and like there's so much middle ground where like I think what's interesting to me about it is that there is like potential in it and they 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 do it for me but like you know some of the other music like the the thing with the short song is that it's over quickly and you didn't have too much time so it's kind of it's almost like the same effect as a long song like you know when you listen to like a long epic song and you're like okay fucking a lot just happened in here i there were multiple parts in this song and then you go back through the the yes or the mars volta song and you're like then you're like remembering the different parts of the song and you're like getting to know it and i feel like with some of these short songs you're it's a similar effect where you're like well, a lot happened really quickly. I didn't get to hear it over and over. And then you get to listen to it and kind of learn it and live with it. And then in the same way you would with long songs, does that make any sense? Yeah. Well, I I also think that like, like long, especially like there's some moments with Mars Volta's catalog where I'm like, this is a little self-indulgent. Yeah. Like, it course. doesn't, it doesn't need to be this yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of, there is a lot of, of I mean, it's the all prog music or, <laughs> fusion or jazz like it's the thing about it right so i yeah i think short songs can be just as self-indulgent in a way where it's like i just have this one thing and that's that's all i'm gonna give you like this is this is the one thing that's this is important enough on its own well see to me it seems less self what seems more self-indulgent is to if you got one if you got one good part or two good parts to then be like, all right, but we got to flesh this out into like a whole song. And then you pepper that out into three and a half minutes is a little more indulgent than what if you just gave them the one and a half minutes of good music? You know what I mean? Like there's Blink-182 songs like on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket where it's like, yo, what if they just like cut out the second verse, which sucks. And then the bridge is just them playing the chord progression with like travis on the crash now or you know what i mean like what if you just cut that out and just gave them the one and a half good minutes of the music right well because it comes down to the material is yeah. not not act- inherently good enough to sustain all this yeah, extra right. spinning out right so if if the material's not good enough that's where i guess i come from from a short time where i'm like cool this mi- this this minute and a half on caro caro was good you know the 18 seconds on that caro caro song i'm like awesome like I don't know if I think it's that 18 seconds was great. I don't think you need to develop it. Yeah. I, this is the thing that I get from a lot of Joyce Maddox songs is that they, they do feel unfinished to me. Interesting. Where like, if it feels like there's somewhere to go and then they just say no. Hmm. Which songs would you say? I I know they're, I know every song. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have enough familiarity with it. Cause it's it's not like when I put Joyce Maddox on, like I'm even like having the time to look at song. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, yeah. Interesting. Because to me, they feel like very complete statements, but the songs a lot of times are very linear and they're, they're a little start and it'll rise and then it'll finish really quickly. I don't know. I think it's, a, I think it's unique and it's cool and there's no fat. I just hate when there's, I think I hate when there's fat on music and that really, and I start, my mind starts to drift. Um, and I like bands that are just like, you're like, oh man, every every melody counts here. You right, know, yeah, that's I what I that's what I like about it. And I feel like they achieve that and there's not fat. I'm trying to think like, like I don't want to hear a long song that's that's not worthwhile for that. You right. know, like like if it's a five minute song, then like it's gotta be five interesting minutes. It can't just be five minutes because like 
right it's that's a slower tempo that's where we started or, right yeah and we're like yeah no no no. i want i need it to go somewhere but uh yeah i don't know i guess that's that's just interesting because like to me some of these songs like i'm like oh yeah that's that's just is that's the song it doesn't need to be longer um, i feel i feel like a short song is also like it's kind of a statement yeah in that like this idea is important enough to be self-sufficient mm-hmm. so if, Why, if, versus you think there's more there's more safety in um or in having two parts or have, having like i mean i don't know i have i have like a minute and a half song i've been working on that has like four parts in it but I guess it's like you're saying that statement. I don't know. Yeah, it's like here's the idea. This is enough to be a full song, even though it's 45 seconds long. This is a full song's worth of idea. So, but I guess to me I, that's I, that's um, there's some inherent uh, importance put on the the form of a song or like the song in and of itself. Where couldn't it just be just music? And this is a this is just a piece of music. That's forty five. Happens to be forty five seconds long, right? Well, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I think there is no. There is like an actual cultural importance to the idea of a song. Like a mm-hmm. song is supposed to mean something. It's got a history dating, you know, a thousand fucking years. Like yeah. a song means something. Like if it's if you're not trying to conform to the specifications of what a song is, yeah, then that's something different. Then like put out fucking a demo album or yeah. like here's like this part and that part and that part. But like, I mean, it's being wrapped up in like the presentation of an album of right. songs. Interesting. So like that, that's how, that's how they're communicating these ideas is through songs. So I'm like, they have some sort of value to the idea that's like, this is a yeah. full song's worth of ideas. And I think it cheapens it a little bit by putting 12 of those back to back to back to back. Huh. Interesting. Like if you have short songs. And they're within an album that you have medium songs and yeah. long songs. Then the short songs are very impactful. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. holy shit. They well, I mean, just said everything they need to say in 50 like seconds. Yeah. yeah. Because because you know that like some things they need to take longer to say yeah. and some some things are worth more time spending on. Like Interesting. So, I, yeah, just I don't, to only ever do short songs feels a, it just... Hmm, interesting. Yeah. I don't have because to me, I don't really carry that sort of baggage, I think. Like I'm like bring up Jay Dilla. Like Donuts is one of my favorite albums. Do you know this album? Um it's twenty no, thirty-one songs. And it's each one, no, nothing's over there's one over two minutes. <clears throat> I mean it's mainly beats and stuff that he made. Yeah. Um But it's interesting because like I I'm like I, I guess I just don't think of it as like, is this one good enough to warrant being its song on its own? I'm just like, oh, this is cool music. And I just keep going. You know what I mean? It's interesting to think about it within the pantheon of 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 song, like, and being like, like the writer saying this is important enough to be a song on its own. That's interesting to me. I I know what you mean. I mean, you can't you can't live outside of the cultural context of um, of it, and to each their own. Um, but you, I know you feel that on the Caro Caro stuff, you don't feel like it's underdeveloped. You're like, this feels like an idea that only needs to be one minute thirty seconds. Yeah, 
That's I, the, I feel like there's enough variation on the album mm-hmm. to sustain like when they have something short versus mm-hmm. something that's and like also like the the uh color of the album is very varied like there's a lot of different timbres and stuff and it's like it, of course it's easier with electronic music yeah um than it is with guitar bands but yeah i don't know i just i find i'm sticking up for joyce mary i feel i find lots of variation not in the first record but like especially in these two there's a lot of a lot of variation but that's just my that's also my taste i i i just it just i get it but not, not gonna be for everybody <laughs> This one I would I would check out this one which is four different parts with three different parts but all just in a row. Um I don't know maybe it just makes sense to my brain and other people are like I need more. That's what you need more. You're like I want I want it. I want more. It's not even I it's not even just that that I want more content. It's just like I want more intent. That's the thing I think there is intent in it keeping it short. Obviously to your point they're very much not going longer yeah i don't know it feels to me like like it's a, it's a little bit cheap hmm. yeah because they could go longer and they're choosing not to yeah or they uh... yeah no i I'm, mean I'm, also like i'm curious because other people have brought this up and to me it just like i never even i never i didn't even realize the songs were short when i listened to them there's also like they're not even they're not even always that fast. Like no. the tempos aren't like super fast DB punk stuff where yeah. it's like, okay, obviously the songs are shorter because they just move through everything faster. Yeah. It's like some of these songs, like the tempos are like very mid range or slow even, and they're still short. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> so <laughs> like who cares? I guess my point is like, who cares if you, if you get two choruses in there and two verses or whatever, it's like, isn't that enough <laughs> to be a song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think it always is interesting yeah i feel the complete opposite but that's okay um what else is in the the youtube box princess <laughs> or prince oh bonnie prince billy but that's not box prince oh here's someone doing an analysis stealing argist oh what did they have to say Eric Satie. I finally understood what the episode was actually about. What is it Boston about? Breaks the fourth wall and the fundamentals of storytelling. The heroes aren't troubled or tasked with achieving anything. They're just bored and want something to do. The episode as a whole feels like an anti-episode, and it's phrased that could literally exist as a genuine fuck you to fans. <laughs> but it's that nothingness that defines it. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's pick an episode. I have to actually begin running soon. What are we gonna watch next week? What are we gonna watch? Let's go! It's the episode. Generator. One twenty-one. Okay. Bemo lost. We have seen that. <laughs> Great. What are we gonna watch next week? What are we gonna watch? 88. Goliad. We have not done this one. Goliad. Oh, Goliad. I remember this deal. Great. Uh, Goliad, season four, episode 10. Sweet. Um, great. It. This, um, this is a fun one, I think. Yeah. This is uh, Princess, 
Princess Bubblegum being irresponsible with her god powers again. Uh, 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 always an entertaining thing it is. Cool. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, come back next week for more uh, Down the Rabbit Hole, which is what you're really here for. So let's do it. All right. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>